0: Hello, and welcome to this, the 10th edition of Podularity, the online books programme that brings you authors and books in a pod. My name is George Miller, and my guest this week is Hannah Diamond, whose new book, Fleeing Hitler, looks at the events of the Paris Exodus in June 1940, when millions of people fled from the city in the face of the advancing German army. This event was the subject of Irene Némirovsky's novel, Suite Francaise, but Hannah is one of relatively few modern historians to look at the Exodus not just as a preface to the war in France but an important historical event in its own right. To write the book she drew on many interviews memoirs and diaries from the period. I asked her what the Mood was in early June 1940 as Parisians became aware that the Germans were getting closer to their city.
1: The first allied bomb attack that really I think was a big wake-up call to prisons, happened very early in June, actually, around about the 3rd or 4th, and, and a number of people were killed at that time, which actually looking, it, it wasn't a huge number of people compared to what else was going on in the war, but I think it did have a big impact on prisons who thought, gosh, we we may well find ourselves at the centre of a war zone, One of the things I I noticed a great deal when I was doing this research was the fact that there was kind of a sense that people had a visual memory of what they'd seen in, in in newsreels and in newspaper reports about bombing, which was a relatively new phenomenon, particularly from the Spanish mm. Civil War and from Hitler's invasions, what they'd seen in Poland. So I think when that that bomb attack happened, that was that was quite frightening to a lot of people, and it people did stop and sort of think, oh, what if this happens to Paris? But I think the general view was. No, not yet. It's everything thus far has fitted in with what happened during the First World War. Paris was threatened then, and it did look like the Germans could possibly invade. But then we drove them back. So I think still in June, the you know, Parisians were generally quite confident mm. that it would probably be OK in the end.
0: And when did that confidence really begin to, to waver?
1: I think really the departure of, of the government on the 10th of June was, for most people, an indicator that uh, they had to go. Between the 3rd and the 10th, I think people who had nothing to lose, people who had money, people who weren't in salaried jobs and who had perhaps prepared for this eventuality, some Jews, for example, who had good reason to be fearful, had made already made arrangements, and I think particularly one tends to point to the 8th arrondissement and the 16th arrondissement they these were the areas of paris that, that they emptied first because that the, these people were rich they and they could afford to leave and mm. they had sometimes made arrangements but others who couldn't hung on it was only i think on the 10th of june when it was clear that the government was going and people found out in all sorts of different ways people who were near to Government ministries who saw what was going on could see it and mm. they sort of immediately were frightened. What, mm. what The government's going, we must leave. Mm. And then um, many others just heard on radio announcements that, 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 that Renault, the, the prime minister of the time, had gone and, and they said, we must go too.
0: And people had to make their own arrangements because one of the striking things was there was, there was no clear official evacuation plan, was there? The,
1: the government was very torn i think in in the interwar period about about what to do and 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 how to deal with this. I think that probably the biggest error that that was made was the 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 belief when plans were laid that that the second world war would would follow the model of the first world war and the feeling was that if there would be another war, it would all be dealt with very quickly. And to put very detailed evacuation plans into place would be counterproductive. It, was
0: defeatist to, to it, would, it would It would
1: panic the populations. Mm. And, and so there was some element, however. I mean, I think in the book, I, I reproduced the photograph of the, the blackboards appeared around Paris suggesting trajectories that people might take if they were to be evacuated and so on so this was talked about and i think it kind of reassured prisons into a false security that if in the unlikely eventuality it were to be necessary those plans were there Mm. so that actually when it came to it around about um the 9th 10th 11th of june and the government had gone the officials had gone, the police had gone, mm. the firemen mm. had gone, and people realised actually they were being completely left to their own resources mm. and they just sort of rushed to uh, stations trying, trying to get onto trains and if they had cars to mobilise, they would. And it was basically the, the roads heading out of mm. Paris, particularly heading south, were completely gridlocked. Yes.
0: You mentioned people in cars and people in trains, but a lot of people didn't have access to those forms of transport, so they had to use bicycles or set off on foot.
1: The impression I got from the testimonies that I saw was that people would try the stations first, mm. or they would try to see if neighbours would find a space in their car or whatever. And if all else failed, they just picked up whatever wheeled vehicle they could find, which may have been a bicycle. Mm. A lot of people use bicycles to carry luggage yes. actually and push them. And there's a but very
0: striking picture of a pram with an old lady in it. Yes,
1: yes, incredible, incredible. And I think that was, that was the other thing that I noticed, was people weren't sure what to do with the elderly, mm. whether they should take them or whether they should leave them, whether because the Germans had been built up to be such a terrible, terrible potential victor they would exact all sorts of ghastly things on populations that they came across but I think there was kind of a sense that if if the elderly were there they they should be okay I mean I think the biggest fear was the propaganda had led people to believe that children's hands would be cut off and women would be raped but I think people were very torn about leaving elderly relatives but on the whole they did I mean Mm. It is estimated that four-fifths of Parisians left and those who stayed were those who could not leave. They were old people. They were people who left it too late or who didn't just mm. didn't have the means to leave.
0: So we're talking about, is it about four million people on the road and at, at the time of the accident?
1: Yes, it, it's, it's quite extraordinary, really. I mean, it has to be said that Parisians swelled... A number of mm. displaced people who were already on the road, yes. because the Parisian exodus, which happened in June, from is is often referred to as being the kind of second exodus. There's a first exodus that happens earlier on in May, when when the Germans first invade France, mm. and really this these northern French, this this involves northern French who are actually taken south quite effectively, much more effectively than this second exodus by trains, the SNCF, the French the French uh, train system, manages to, I think, step up mm. and to lay on lots of extra trains. And mingled in with these northern French are Belgians and Dutch people and people from Luxembourg. Mm. And those plans I mentioned earlier that had been laid in the interwar period had also warned and lined up a number of reception areas in the south and and, and in the west of the country who had expected that in the event of war these populations Mm. would need to be looked after and and, and shelter would need to be found and preparations were in place and on the whole it was it was quite well managed. Mm. But what they what what was not expected was this second huge Population dismace- yes. displacement from Paris, which really threw everything off course, and and it meant that those reception communities were completely overwhelmed.
0: And because people had done it so hurriedly, you you talk about people who didn't even have time to go home, who just felt they had to go. There was much less planning. People didn't. A lot of people didn't really know where they were heading, did they? When they no. set off. Well,
1: well, one of one of the most remarkable things that I discovered in this research was how little. French people actually knew about their own country and that people set off completely unprepared. I mean, okay, how can you prepare? People who did prepare, prepared as if they were going on holiday and they took Mm. far too much. And they tried to take everything. And a lot of the testimonies talk about, well, what do you take into the unknown? People had no imagination. They had no understanding about what they were getting into. They had no idea of how many people were going to be involved. They, some people put layers and layers of clothing on because mm. they thought this would be the easiest way to carry their belongings. And women set out in the wrong kinds of shoes. And the roads and the stations of um, the Exodus are were stuffed with people set off on these journeys and realized they couldn't manage to carry what they'd mm. taken and just abandoned mm. it. And the lost properties, the offices of all these railway stations were absolutely stuffed with people's personal possessions and this, this, really this ter- all these personal tragedies of people mm. who tried to take away their their most loved possessions and just couldn't sustain their journey. It's, it's mm. is it's very touching. And some people just turned around and went back again because they couldn't do it. Mm. They just couldn't manage. They People had... People arrived and um, some of the better organised communities organised roadblocks to try and succour and help some of these refugees, particularly those who were walking, because they ran out of food. They did, People didn't take food and water. They imagined... Mm. They set off in their cars imagining they could buy petrol along the way in the normal way. They... They would no sense of what, what the situation was like. And some of the medical reports talk about people who had terrible blisters and had inappropriate shoes mm. on and they just couldn't walk anymore. It, it was quite extraordinary, really. And mm. climate, the, the changing climate from north to south of France, people actually didn't know that it was much hotter in the south of France. And June, it was unseasonably yeah. hot. June's a nice time of year. And that June 1940 was an unseasonably warm June, so people had far too much on. Mm.
0: Yes, some of the pictures in the book show children all buttoned up in what looks like winter coats, and they must have been deeply uncomfortable.
1: But the other side of that, of course, was that as people moved south, the fact that the weather was was quite mild actually played in their favour because there was nowhere for them to sleep. Mm. The hotels were full, the farmers were solicited for, for people to stay in outbuildings, and a lot of the people I spoke to had, had slept rough in barns and, and, and so on. But it did mean, the, the fact that the weather was relatively good did mean that people could sleep work rough more comfortably, even if they weren't properly equipped for it.
0: Mm.
1: And one of the, uh, the strongest images that comes through is that of the mattress. Many of people who left by car sort of mistakenly believed that they would if they put their mattresses on their cars they would somehow be protected Mm. from bomb Mm. attacks and 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 whatever fate they may face and although this didn't actually operate in practice a lot of these mattresses did come in very useful when it came to sleeping rough and and they'd sort of uh, unload their cars and put these mattresses out and have these kind of extraordinary camping there's something there's this there's this marvellous book by Roland called uh, Vacances Forcées which is forced holidays Mm. and there's this curious although we're talking about uh, the most tragic scenes of population Mm. displacement and that there's this curious sense also of people experiencing a kind of Holiday camping atmosphere as well, because mm. there's in the outdoors, living in the open, discovering uh, experiencing a France they never knew existed before that for many people it was is quite a peculiarly positive experience, particularly for the young, I think, because for young people. There was a kind of, you know, they bicycle along down the road and come up and down, check where parents yes. were. Had an, an element of freedom, and it was all about discovering a whole mm. world they never knew existed before.
0: But separation seemed to be a very serious consequence yes. of, of well, setting I mean,
1: off. The other side of that is, and and of course, when you're doing this kind of history with personal testimony and there is no one story i mean there's such mm. a multiplicity of experiences and so much there are so many different stories about people on the road during the exodus it's you can't collapse it in and while some people found experiences positive another side of this was because of the volume of people because of the lack of understanding of what people were getting to there enormous number of of people lost each other there was a sense I think that people sort of followed each other because they all thought that everyone else knew where they were going and that they'd sort of go in the same way, and then there would be alternative routes they could take. Something that I found quite difficult as a, as a parent myself to to understand was the fact that mothers were sometimes so desperate to get their children away mm. from the the, the the germans and most of the accounts do give you this very strong sense that the Germans are bearing down and there's this terrible pressure to escape, would hand over their children quite blithely to people who had space in their Mm. cars or some the military convoys of course were also withdrawing from the front and and, and they did take on, you know, they would if they had room, they Mm. would take on refugees and particularly children. So mothers would sort of hand over children to these rather anonymous soldiers or unknown other people fleeing imagining that they would sort of all somehow end up in the same place and, of course, became separated yes. from them. And one of the biggest problems uh, once the exodus came to an end was to try and put these people back together, find ways of tracing mm. children who really couldn't say a great deal about who their parents yes. were.
0: And the threat of aerial attacks by the Germans was very real, wasn't it?
1: Well, yes. Yes. There's there's actually I don't go into this in a a great deal in my book because it's not an area that I feel that we can adequately explain. There's there's quite a lot of controversy about who it was who was actually firing on Mm. these populations, but it's quite clear that they were being fired on. I suspect that Hitler really just wanted to create as much panic and terror as he could to show to show how powerful he was, and he did he did undertake. A real policy of creating complete uh, misery for these refugees who sometimes there would be soldiers intermingled with them, and it may have been that where there were serious convoys of soldiers uh, that that this is a more understandable step. But um, yes, that they, they they had to take cover. They were unexpected, particularly machine gun t- attacks. Mm. There's a marvelous scene actually in a, a wonderful film called Jeux Interdit*, which was released in the fifties. Which the beginning part of the of the, of the film shows very clearly how how this operated and how people took cover. And I think they were terribly terribly frightened at the beginning, but it became so regular that it also became mm. almost became a mechanical experience to take over, mm. rush under, rush off the road, hide, and then to come back on the road and continue and leave those who did not survive that particular attack.
0: Mm. To what extent do you think the Exodus facilitated the Vichy regime, which followed very quickly after France was was overwhelmed by the Germans?
1: Well, I think that really the confusion and the trauma that the exodus uh, represented for many many french people because even if people weren't directly involved in the exodus themselves as in not they didn't actually leave their own homes i think the arrival of these refugees in the south had a huge impact on those communities in the south and in the west who 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 saw uh, the state of these totally destitute people who had nothing and who were hungry and who had who, who were just running uh, did speak volumes about the situation France found herself in and, and something had to be done. And people felt that this couldn't go on, that people were going on on journeys being refused shelter because there simply wasn't any room and communities couldn't cater for them. And I think that Pétain emerged as a very reassuring uh, father figure who who very explicitly says in his 17th of june speech that his heart goes out to mm. the to the refugees and and that the exodus itself really created the opening he needed mm. to be able to step into power and make convincing arguments about staying with the french people in their moment of yes. need whereas others of course were preaching departure. De Gaulle
0: had had gone to London.
1: Yeah, De Gaulle had gone to London. But but you know, even Reno was very he was very keen to carry on the fight, whether be it from London or from mm. North Africa, but found himself outmaneuvered by Petain and those around him who who felt that they shouldn't leave the French mm. people that there was this this notion of staying in the patrice, keeping
0: mm.
1: within the <clears> French <throat> territory and and trying to make a deal with the Germans yeah. so that these people could be looked after appropriately
0: and Vichy continued to use the exodus as a means of control really, didn't it of it was part of the the sort of sustaining mythology of of the Vichy regime, wasn't it in, yes, for well, subsequent think- years.
1: I think that um, the exodus in many ways was a defining moment for the Vichy regime. It's kind of the moment at which it's its foundational myth, if you like. And it, it does show Vichy in a reasonably positive light, where, of course, later on things aren't, don't look quite so positive. The, the very clever propagandists used it. In this way, as a way of sort of saying, as, as presenting Petain very positively and mobilizing. I think what's particularly interesting when you're thinking of you look at the, the, this propaganda and Vichy, of course, committed to its national mm. revolution of travail, famille, patrie, and going back in particular to the peasant roots of, of French society. The notion that industrialization had taken people away from the proper mm. values and and this this diversion from these values. Was was partly responsible for the defeat. And I think what the propagandists did did very cleverly was to weave into this people's recognition. I talked about people who'd come from Paris, who'd come from the north of France, who discovered in the rural south communities they never really understood, didn't know such agricultural communities existed. And although they were very shocked by the kind of rudimentary existence that these people lived in, in the end, they were delighted to find it because it did offer them shelter Mm. when they needed it. And Pétain and his propagandists played on this. You know, look, these rural communities, these peasants, their basic values saved you when you needed it. Mm. And I think they very cleverly sort of weaved this notion in so that people were reminded very explicitly of that exodus experience even afterwards Mm. when they'd gone home and, and it was part of their past.
0: And perhaps as a consequence of that intimate connection between the Exodus and Vichy after the war, it was much more downplayed and it was about resistance and victory. And the Exodus, you say that for a lot of people in their narratives about the war, the Exodus is really just a sort of preface to the to the main event. And as a consequence, it's not been much written about or studied really in comparison to other aspects of the war in France.
1: Yes, I think I, think I, I was very perplexed at, By this because I think that the Exodus in many ways was a mass experience and as I said earlier it touched the lives of many people of most French people during that that summer and autumn of 1940 whereas collective memory seems to have completely overlooked it and 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 it's been more or less sort of pushed out of people's memories of that period whereas of course resistance and even collaboration is something people talk about much more on one level, of course, we can understand why that was. It was traumatic, it was difficult, it was horrible. People wanted to put that experience behind them. But I also suspect there was no vocabulary to talk about yeah. it. There was no rehearsed way of expressing what had happened. And many of the people I did speak to when I was doing the research for the project just just didn't seem to really be able to engage very much with that experience, although they'd, they'd certainly lived through it. It it, it it took up a very small number of words right. and a small amount of their attention until they got to the really big story, which was the occupation yes. and, and so on and so forth. But I do think that may be beginning to change. I mean, there've been a few films recently. I think the Irene Nemirovsky book has, it has been very much celebrated and, and it's having a very positive impact on people comparing their own exped- exodus ex- experiences yes. with what she relates and did people feel that she represent her book represents what they experienced? And I think it is doing precisely that, creating a vocabulary yes. that people can now talk about the exodus. And my hope is that, that all of those kinds of stories will now come to the mm. fore much more. Though the other side is, of course, people are quite old. Uh, people who were... Uh, people who I spoke to refer to themselves as, as, as les enfants de l'exode, or the children of the exodus. So it's, mm. you know, it's not easy because childhood memories are more distant again. But I think those stories are beginning mm. to, to be teased out and come to the fore.
0: From what you say in the book, it seemed to me that that literature and cinema had taken it up more readily than historians had. Is that, yeah, well, is that fair?
1: Well, historians, and particularly French historians, want to write scientific history. And by scientific, they mean archive-based, where we have sources that we can cross-check. And and the problem, of course, with the Exodus is that we don't really have archives. We don't... The police reports that historians use very intensely to base their uh, historical research around simply don't exist because... Most of the police, most of the fonctionnaires, most of most of those administrations left their mm. posts. And really the only information we have to piece this experience together comes from talking to people about their past experiences, narratives, novels, mm. uh, stories, life stories. And of course there is this problem, particularly in France and for historians generally, that these are particular sources that some historians aren't as comfortable about working with but I would argue that they that archives also can give uh, reasonably one-sided views and that uh, I I believe that by looking at a, a wide range of, of narratives of various different kinds it does help us to build up a picture of, of, of this particular experience mm. but I think in terms of having histories having been left out of Prof- professional historians not choosing to write about the Exodus that that is what explains yes. it
0: and because many men had been mobilized already the Exodus particularly affected women and children mm. and yet there are comparatively few women's accounts in com- in proportion to men's
1: I, I wrote my first book about women in the second world in France world war in France and I I was very interested in looking at this as as a particularly gendered experience mm. but I just I I just found it terribly difficult to find the sources you know women were not in the habit of writing at that time I did find some but it's true that the people who wrote about the exodus were tended to be male novelists male commentators who were much more likely to write mm. about what happened to them. I mean, I used Simone de Beauvoir yes. quite a lot. She, she, she did write about that period, but she was pretty exceptional. And I'm sure there are lots more accounts and lots more personal diaries of these events out there in people's attics yes. and so on. But it's Which perhaps
0: t- your book will help to bring to light. Well, that
1: would be a wonderful thought, yes, definitely.
0: Anna Diamond, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.